0: And now, brought to you by CK and WWFD Productions, the continuing story of Popcorn and Monsters. Chapter 2 The Longest Night. The car sped through the darkness. The urgency for them to get to their destination was obvious, and this made the already-on-edge Larry even more nervous. And when Larry got nervous, Larry got chatty. How long till we get there? Won't be long now, Mr Talbot. Time is of the essence, I'm sure you understand. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, of course... "'How long have you known my father?' "'Why? All of his life, Mr Talbot. "'We have been servants to your family for generations. "'How did you find me?' "'Your father will explain everything, Mr Talbot.' "'Did you know my mum?' "'I will leave the personal information to your father, Mr Talbot.' "'Pierce was answering his questions with what seemed like genuine sincerity,' but there just seemed something off-kilter about him. Larry wasn't sure the man actually blinked, and in his overexcited state he was about to ask Pierce if his eyelids worked when the driver said, ''We have arrived.'' Larry turned away from Pearson's unblinking eyes to look out the windscreen and was confused. He couldn't see anything other than more road and the darkness of night. That was until the clouds that had clad the sky shifted and the light of the full moon became the torch that Larry needed. Oh, boy. This wasn't a road. This was a driveway. Talbot looked out to the rear window and saw the gates that the driver had just sped through close, gates that were part of a very high wall that stretched to the left and right as far as he could see. Keeping people out or keeping people in, Father? Either side of Larry were vast expanses of land. Maybe this is where the Hound of the Baskervilles came on holiday. And then he saw it the house of his long lost father. The moon illuminated the building so he could see enough to know that this was a place that must have been built during the looming period not long after the sinister period had ended. It was massive. This wasn't a house. This was a mansion. A mansion of darkness and threat. Larry whispered to himself, All right, Larry, no need to be so dramatic. It's just a really big house. A huge, imposing, beast of a house that looks like it would be rented out by Vincent Price to Christopher Lee for a quiet weekend of vampiring and terrorising the local villagers. As they neared the entrance, Larry could see that there were lights on inside the building, only in a few rooms on the ground floor, and it made the rest of the place seem even darker. Oh yeah, and also the light was flickering. That's candlelight, isn't it? This left Larry with two thoughts. Either the electric bill hadn't been paid, but as the smell of the expensive car's leather interior filled his nose, he really didn't think that lack of funds was the issue. His other thought was that his need for answers had him stumbling into something nefarious. Or maybe he's just seen too many movies. Vampires aren't real, Larry he mumbled to himself. In his current distracted state, Larry didn't notice the slightly raised tilt of Pierce's lips, who had heard what Larry had mumbled very clearly. Finally, after what seemed like the longest drive of Larry's life, the driver stopped in front of the door. The very big door. Larry remained in his seat and tried to take in the large, brooding, creepy, dark, gothic, kooky, mysterious, spooky, and altogether Mr Talbot. The voice jerked Larry out of his almost hypnotic state. Mr Talbot, I apologise for my manner, but I really must insist you go to your father. Go through the door and go left into the great hall. He is waiting for you. Please. Please. There may not be much time. Talbot looked at Pierce, about to say something along the lines of, Just give me a second, would you? This is the biggest thing that has ever happened to me, and I need a moment. But then he looked at Pierce's eyes, and any words he may have had shrank back down his suddenly dry throat. It was just for a second but those eyes, or more specifically the look in those eyes, made Larry rethink every decision he had ever made that had led him to this point. Then the look was gone. Larry composed himself as best he could. Don't worry, Mr. Pierce. My father has managed a lifetime. He can manage a couple minutes more. Bryce remained outwardly calm, but Larry could tell that this man... This man he had barely known for more than two hours despised him. With that, Larry exited the vehicle. The door had barely closed when he heard a and it sped off. So here he was, all by himself in a land he had only dreamed of visiting, about to meet someone he thought was long gone. He was excited, But that feeling of something not being quite right lingered. Only one way to find out, though, and that was to go inside. Larry realised that he'd been looking at the door of the home long enough for the sound of the car to vanish into the cold night air. Well, Talbot, you just going to stand here for the rest of time? Or are you going to pop inside and see your old dad? You know, the one you didn't know was all alive and stuff. Okay, let's do this. Here we go. And we're walking. Oh, would you move? Larry managed to finally shift the mental paralysis and walked up to the door. Do I knock? Knock, knock. Who's there? Shut up and go inside. Shut up and go inside. Lawrence! Okay, Larry, come on. In you go. Of course the door creaks open. What else would I have expected? Larry poked his head in and had the sudden desire to shout out, Peekaboo! For God only knows what reason. But before he could say anything, a voice called his name. "'Larry? Larry, is that you? "'Please, come through, my boy. "'Let me see you.' "'Larry heard the voice and let it sink into his ears. "'The words fell into his heart. "'This was the moment years in the making. "'There was only the briefest of pauses before his brain said, "'Just be careful, okay? "'This whole thing feels a bit off.' Larry brushed it off and headed towards the voice. The walk from the front door to the great hall wasn't far, but it still took all his strength to make it. His legs were shaking, his feet were leaden, but he had to know. He had to find out if this was all real. He crossed the threshold of the hall and gasped at the sight before him. This room was like a wing of an art gallery. Paintings lined the walls on all sides. Some were what you would call standard size, but most were, to use what I think is a common art historian term, flipping massive. And from what he could see, there were a lot, a lot of portraits. Family members, he assumed. The light was indeed of the candle variety. They were dotted all around the room in stands of all sizes. Add to this the roaring fire that was blazing away in the vast fireplace. The heat gave Larry a bear hug. A big, grisly bear hug. Amongst all the other furniture in this big room, the sofas, the cabinets, the bookcases... By the fireplace were two high-back chairs, both covered in what looked like blood-red velvet, from what he could tell, and on one arm of one chair rested a hand. I really hope that's connected to something, muttered Larry. It's connected to me, my boy. You heard that? I may be old, frail, and near my end, but my hearing is still as sharp as ever come sit Larry saw the hand pat the arm of the chair and managed to get his feet moving the heat crushed him the closer he got but he barely noticed there you are Larry please sit you must be exhausted Larry lowered himself and sank into the chair Sank a bit more, and then finally came to rest. This was one comfy chair. He looked at the old man opposite him. The thick silver hair swept back, a face lined with age and experience. He was wearing a charcoal grey suit that covered a stocky frame that didn't seem overly frail if you really looked. Black shoes that shone with regular polishing. The resting hand had a silver ring on the index finger, the design of which looked like a fox's head with two rubies for eyes. On the back of the hand there seemed to be the faintest outline of a long star. There was a cane resting against the chair, one of lacquered oak topped with a silver handle. And the handle was an animal that was much easier to figure out than the one on the ring that may or may not have been a fox. No, no, no. It was a wolf. The thought that popped into Larry's head as he looked into the yellow eyes of this man that claimed to be his father, the last thought he had before he felt the sting in his neck was, Is my dad Ozzy Osborne?" When he came to, Larry wasn't at all surprised to find that he was shackled to a stone table in a creepy basement. Water was dripping down the high stone walls. No windows, of course. More candles. Always with the candles. What's wrong with light bulbs? Much safer. Yeah, yeah, this is my fault, really. What was I thinking? Long-lost father, Carpathian Mountains, creepy lawyer who may as well be a lab assistant called Igor. What more did you want as clues that this was all a nonsense, Larry? Welcome back to the land of the conscious, Mr Talbot. Oh, yea, it's the creepy lackey. Pierce winced at this and moved forward. Leave him be. The voice was commanding, and you could see Pierce try to shrink into the floor. Oh, hello, Dad. Thanks for the warm welcome. This isn't exactly the comfiest of beds, though, and being knocked out with a needle was maybe a bit too informal for our first meeting. At least tell me there's going to be a decent breakfast. If you continue to talk with such disrespect, the breakfast could be you As corny as this threat was, it still made lottie bulk. <sighs> so what happens now, Dad? you sell my organs to fund your candle addiction? Oh, dear boy, I am not your father. Let me guess. evil twin, dodgy uncle. Second cousin, thrice removed on my aunt's side. "'Technically speaking, I am your great-grandfather. "'Your father was my grandson, my only grandson. "'My own boys had long since left. "'They were taken from me.' "'When he said this, there was a flare of anger in his eyes.' Your father was the only one left to continue the, the family brand, as it were. He didn't want to, though. He'd fallen in love, the weak-willed boy. A girl from the village, no less. He wouldn't listen to reason, and I tried to change his mind in so many ways. But he fled. All three of them fled. Three? Yes, boy, three. Him, his wife, and their baby. And that would be you. He got away for a small while, but luckily Mr. Pierce here and his partners are very good at what they do. And they found your mother and father, but not you. It took a long time to find you. They knew they would be found and they gave you up to that priest. The one time that your father used any of his powers was to hypnotize that priest so he would forget about him being there. So my parents, put it this way. Pierce and his associates are very good at tidying up loose ends. And there it was. The final confirmation. Larry's heart sank. Took you long enough to find me though, didn't it, Pierce? Slacking in your old age, hmm? Pierce stepped forward, but one glance from great-grandad stopped him dead. Enough. The reason you're here is to carry on the bloodline. I'm sure you've figured that out already. I've been around a very long time and I won't be around forever but this family's blessing must carry on you're the next in line it has to be you 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 must keep the name Talbot alive to strike fear and command into the hearts of the people in this land nah I'm good Larry tried to sound offhand and calm, but it didn't work. He was shackled to a stone table with iron chains, held captive by a sinister lawyer, and, what he was pretty sure, was his great grandad, the werewolf. I think his luck had left the building. No more talking. It is time. Larry turned white as he saw the face of his great-grandad start to change, to pulse, to crack. Luckily, his brain said, nope, and Larry passed out. When he woke again, he was in a forest, staring up at the stars in what was now a very clear night. He patted himself down, still clothed. Still in one piece, it would seem. Had he escaped? Had he somehow shut down his noggin and pulled off some miraculous break to freedom? Did they get a sudden change of heart and set him free? He raised his hand up. Yeah, still a human hand. Barely any hair. But then he felt it. The first pull in his stomach. And another. Another and then another, and then his entire body felt like it was on fire, and he knew he didn't escape. They didn't have a change of heart. And this was going to be a very long night. And that is the end of Chapter 2 of Popcorn and Monsters. Join me again in two weeks' time for Chapter 3. Till the next showing, take care of yourself. Hello everyone. It is time for the patron shoutouts. Uh, I'd like to thank our newest patron, Kelly Van Bookhut. Bookhut, Kelly, v- hey Kelly, Kelly Van Bookhut, book bookhut book book. As I like to call her, Kelly Van Dutch Lady. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate it. And now our producers, Kelly Van, you know who you are, Rachel Miller. Amber Hilder, Rihanna Potas, Potasse? Potase? Potase. I will, I will confirm that. Sorry. Connie, Fiberash, Dalen Pear, Brandy Johnson, Stephanie Mattingly, Nicole Snyder, Nizi Florilla, Katie Bischoff, Samantha Mason, and Alicia Moonbeam Tully. Thank you so much for being producers and for being patrons. It's unbelievably appreciated. I thank you. If you would like to become a patron, just go to www.patreon.com forward slash popcornandmonsters. Three tiers, one, five, and eight. It's very straightforward. At $5, you get a postcard, a sticker, and a badge. At $8, you get your producer producer credit after every episode. You also get a sticker, a postcard, a badge. And after two months, you also get a patron-exclusive mug. Kept it nice and simple for just now. Oh, obviously you get ad-free episodes as well. But yes, for the time being, my friends, take care of yourselves. And I will speak to you again soon. Till the next screening. Bye-bye.